0: Easy, easy peasy, here we go.
1: As the teen tycoon of rock, I'd like to hear them and I'm sure you would too. Leave them alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck time.
2: My name's crazy, honey, what's yours?
0: <laughs> Bernice! It's the Pokemon.
2: Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first.
0: the Cult Movies Podcast. My name is Anthony King. This show is all about author, critic, and historian Danny Perry and his Cult Movies books. What's going to happen is we're going to discuss a movie from Danny's first book and then offer up some pairing recommendations and back the second time this season, a double dose of the Double Divas... (laughs) no that doesn't work <laughs> um first there goes. There go uh, heather drain welcome back hello heather
3: hello hello thank you for having me back and my and my beautiful brilliant tag team partner over here
0: uh rachel mcpadden so much red happening yes. on this screen right now
3: i'm so psyched
4: to be back with my crew to talk about another flick
0: yeah this is this to be a lot of fun um i believe we talked about it on our pink flamingos episode uh That we're going to be what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to dive right in. So, Heather, go ahead and introduce what we're talking about this week.
3: Well, what we're talking about uh, this week is, I think, one of the most uh, famous, infamous cult titles ever. What does Criswell, Tor Johnson, Vampira, uh, Lyle Talbot, uh, Deadly Man Love bunny breckenridge and michael medved and and i'm gonna spoiler alert something real quick anybody loves michael medved you're not gonna want to listen to this because i'm not gonna <sighs> i'm not gonna honor his memory <laughs> i don't even know if he's still Whoa. with this is he still with us whatever it doesn't matter uh but but it's not about him this is about ed wood jr's 1950s class classic of cult sci-fi love And DIY Action Babies, I am talking about Plan 9 from Outer Space, a.k.a. Grave Robbers from Outer
0: Space. Uh, This was, uh, I'll be honest with you, this season, uh, as I've said almost every episode, has some stinkers, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, it's sort of like Bottom of the Barrel. I I let the guests pick the movies, and naturally not everybody's going to go for the lesser known titles or maybe even like the bad movies, uh, first. And so as expected plan nine was in this season. And, uh, this was one that I was not looking forward to because the first time I watched it a couple years ago, I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, wow. It's everything everyone ever said about it. Um, but, uh, let me offer a spoiler alert that I enjoyed it so much more this time around. Uh, for some reason, and and I think uh, what I'm going to read from Danny here in a little bit sort of lines up with what I saw in this movie. Uh, but f- real quick, Rachel, uh, do you remember the first time you saw Plan Nine?
4: I do. So I actually looked this up because I thought I would be so disappointed in myself if I didn't remember the name of this place. Um, in the mid '90s, there was a video store in St. Louis on South Grand that was called whiz Bam, and it was a queer owned business and it was open from 1994 to 1999. And I was there constantly. And when they did, they, when they moved to just online, they got rid of a bunch of their, um, videos and it was probably the first time. I mean, I bought dozens of titles that they had when they were selling them. And that was probably the first time I was really able to have my own copies of movies. Hmm. Um, I mean, outside of a few, I guess, but just because they were still so expensive and these were cult and underground and really unusual types of films. And it it definitely uh, kicked off my real film collection, I think. So um, I would say probably 1994, I was 21, and it would have been 21 to 26 when this store was open. So super formative. And um, I got into a bunch of the Edward titles and for sure plan nine and it it uh played into my own I think my feelings about my um anti-bomb feelings <laughs> at the time it played into my politics at the time and kind of like uh ecologically and and as a pacifist how I felt about that is uh and I was reminded more of it watching it this time
0: yeah oh that's great to hear uh what about you Heather do you remember the first time you saw plan nine?
3: Oh, gosh. Yes. I mean, as somebody who was just hatched out and being into cinema and especially anything that was a little off the beaten path or, okay, a lot off the beaten path, the more off the beaten path, the better. um, Ed Wood, of course, when you start like on your journey into reading about cult cinema, Ed Wood inevitably is one of the first names that's going to come up. And, and especially, you know, it feels like, especially back in like the 80s and 90s, like it's almost like the Renaissance kind of happened and people really started evaluating his stuff. And also, you know, his stuff was pretty easy to find. Like even, you know, even kind of like you're not as cool video stores would inevitably have Plan 9. Um, so I don't remember how old I was, but I definitely remember seeing it and being like, that wasn't that bad. Because <laughs> of course, you know, um, I don't know if anybody remembers it came from Hollywood. Nobody really talks about this now, but this was like a mainstream, basically, I mean, this was like mystery science theater or rift tracks years before that was a thing. Yes, and like yes, yes, and it yes. had it had people that normally are, are hilarious, like I think Chija Chongra on it, Gilda Radner. Um, you don't see them, but their voice, you know, you hear their voices and they play clips from supposedly bad movies. And It wasn't really that good, (laughs) but, um, but, you know, it's like plan nine was infamous. And of course, why I mentioned Michael Medved is, you know, he called it one of the worst movies or the worst movie ever made, which is bullshit. Um, Anybody that thinks this is the worst movie ever made, hasn't seen that many movies, in my opinion, first of all. Um, Secondly, I just, I find the film more and more charming. Like I can totally see Anthony, like, like, yeah, the first go around, I think having a love of 50s science fiction helps with it in general, because honestly, you know, all of the, a lot of the movies, whether it's the ones that are classics to like the more low budget ones, um, there's always inevitably a little bit of the talky science military. I actually think there's not too much of it here. I've seen some films where like, even some of my beloved Godzilla films where I'm just like, okay, guys, stop with the chawing and get to the monsters, you know? Cause I'm basically a five year old, and <laughs> but um, but I was like, no, it's this movie. So it's got so much charm and fun to it. And Rachel, I love the fact that you pointed out how it ties into like poli- like politics and ecology. Because that's the thing. There is like such a good kind of smart heart in a way about this film of being like, and to me, especially with like everything. I mean, and and nothing's new. I mean, there's environmental problems the minute mankind started messing with stuff. But, you know, for people to s- laugh it off, it's like, no, I mean, I think having these aliens that were basically like, hey, we tried to be nice. We're trying to save you from yourselves. And if we can't save you, we'll at least save this planet. I think that's cool. You know, um, it's I, I think it's, a, I think it's a, a very fascinating film. To me, the worst film in the world is gonna be either boring or so insufferably smug. And this yes. film is not in danger of being any of that.
0: And yeah, neither. It's 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 not boring. Um, I mean, there are boring parts, sure, but it's all it's all charming. And and I've uh, several times on this show I've uh, said that Larry Fessenden is my favorite filmmaker of all time. Uh, but I love guys uh, and gals like that. People like that that go out and just make their thing with whatever resources they have. And Edward D Wood Jr fucking did that like he was king of doing that before we go any further let's watch this trailer real quick um and uh i i will say before real quick um are either of you like are you fans of or anti you know riff tracks or uh um, i'm i'm anti anti okay what about yeah. you heather
3: um i yeah, I actually, I'm I'm kind of in the middle because there's been like there was a time period for me, especially when I was younger, where like you know there were some episodes of Mystery Science Theater that I really enjoyed. I think I think some of the talent behind them is great. Um, I as I've gotten older and seeing some of the stuff get targeted, that I'm like, okay, guys, like you know, do we need a riff tracks of Halloween? No, um, the fact that like mystery science theaters did incredibly strange creatures and reportedly it really hurt Ray Dennis Steckler. Yeah, that haunts me because I love Steckler and I love that movie. Um, but ultimately, you know, whether or not somebody likes it or not, I mean, you know, I think the way I view it, I've known especially like younger people where sometimes their their entrance to some of those films was something like that, and it made them pursue like okay what is it on and they end up really liking it so i don't know i can see i can see both sides if somebody's anti it i don't i totally get it (laughs) i totally get it
4: i'll tell you why i'm anti and i do i think they do have value because they do introduce people to certain movies as you said Mm -hmm. however uh some movies and i can't think offhand of any of examples but pretty even early on they were doing movies that i loved that i Mm -hmm. felt like it takes away from the experience of you know they're like they're um they're influencing how someone is going to experience the movies based on riffing on them without someone having a chance to view it separately from that so i think that people should have their own experience with these films before they see somebody being like oh this movie's such a joke or you know
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, That's I agree. The, <laughs> the only reason I because I watched a lot of mystery science theater when I was in high school and that was probably the first time I saw Plan 9. I don't particularly remember it. Um, but uh, the reason I <clears throat> consider myself anti that now is just because I don't want fucking people talking while I'm watching a movie. Just shut the fuck up. Let me watch the movie. And Agreed. luckily uh, we can watch, you know, versions of these types of movies without people. Talking, but again, like I could give a shit if you like that stuff. That like they're funny, and I I do think like they have comedic value. Um, uh, and if if you're anti that, the, complete, again, you know I, I could I just I just don't you know give a shit. Just don't talk. If I'm watching the movie, shut the fuck up. Let me watch the movie. Oh As, god, uh, See,
3: I I think everybody can agree. I, if I think the worst thing that's come from the the trend of that is the going to like a party or going somewhere there's that one asshole that Ugh. thinks that thinks they're funny and they try Watch to like just. there's
4: only one right yeah <laughs> exactly oh right. god
3: right and they yeah. try to smart ass their way through a movie if you want to pull back a stump maybe this is why i don't have people over at my house i don't know <laughs> why i become so <I'm> antisocial. <laughs> i'm like what the fuck did you say about my movie
0: <laughs> get <Right>. out <laughs> yeah exactly
3: yeah like oh yeah then the police get called it's a mess <laughs> but um but yeah uh but no that's um yeah but we got this trailer i love trailers yeah. now that's, are, are uh, we can we make noise during the trailer because i may like do a little bit of yass yeah because i'm I'm, if, I'm gonna the cut. spirit
0: moved me yeah i'm gonna cut us out anyways during this. that's the only I mean it, I can leave us in it, do we want to do like a riff tracks thing all right we're going to do this oh, No,
3: I I've, I've <laughs> been more, Why, so yeah uh, all
0: right let's check this out real quick and then I'll follow that I'll, I'll read a little paragraph from Danny's by the way if anyone hasn't read Danny's essay on play nine it's terrific it is so good Um, but let's watch this real quick it is safe to state that the grandchildren of
2: some of the people in this theater will not be born on earth <laughs> They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead, zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. Plan nine from outer space. Starring the most bright cast ever, Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampira, and Ford Johnson as the walking dead. Turn off your electro gun! No! No! Stop it, Dennis! I can't get it! It's jammed! Stop if you fool! Bull. Bullets bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ships. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening
0: right now. There we have it. All right. Um That's a great
3: trailer. I've never seen that trailer before. It's a
0: really good trailer, and you know, it's it's it kind of echoes what uh um uh what that uh, Criswell says at you know at the beginning and (sighs) the end. Um so let me let me read Danny's thing real quick here and then and then we'll get into it. Plan nine is a delirious movie, but perhaps we are missing the point. Could it be that putting up a crazy facade is the only way that wood can get away with making a subversive movie remember this is the and language has changed i'm just quoting what it says in the book here remember this is the radical iconoclastic director who promoted transvestism beneath the sensationalism of Glenn or glenda and protested the arms race by ending bride of the monster with a nuclear explosion all through plan nine there are in. are Inferences that the U.S. government is wrongly keeping facts from the American public in regard to UFOs when what the aliens have to say may be beneficial to mankind. It's all just too relevant. Uh, Speaking about the scene where uh, Eros says humans will eventually learn to um, harness the sun's particles. It says his race is pro-woman and, and that, like when Jeff blows his top on the spaceship here, Danny says, I believe that, this, uh, that in this one scene, in this one god-awful, terribly made, poor excuse for a picture, Edward D. Wood is more critical of America's government and military strategy than any other director dared to be. Plan 9, dreadful as it is, is something far more significant and therefore better than the worst film of all time, could possibly be, hell I, yeah, <clears throat> you know. Th- there's some backhanded compliments in there, um, not even compliments. He just insults the the picture to his face. It let's be honest, it's not great. But I agree. I think Ed Wood, um, of the you know four or five Wood movies that I've seen, he was so fucking far ahead of his time. He was so transgressive. Um And like, you know, he he wasn't the greatest screenwriter in the world, but like he was out there making his art, trying to like say these amazing things. And uh, for that, I am forever grateful. And that is what I got while watching Plan 9 again for the second time today, Uh, where I I was just like, I was just like, holy crap. Uh, He was, you know, light years ahead of his time. And then all this shit, you know, the, with the U S government, we don't have to spend any time on that, but like all these UFO hearings in Washington, DC. And then what Danny writes about here, it's like, Oh, it's uh, it's, it's crazy how, how times, uh, you know, change, but they always stay the same. So, um, any, any thoughts on what Danny has to say there? Do uh, it, Again, I I don't want to say... I think we talked about this with Pink Flamingos. Does it matter if the movie is, quote, good or, quote, bad? No. Uh, I think Ed Wood, though, in my opinion, and I want to hear what what you both have to think, uh, had some very important things to say and said them in a creative way.
3: I actually, if I may, like I I really enjoy Ed Wood as a writer. I think his dialogue is very, there's such a flourish to it, like he's very, and it makes sense that he wrote like a lot of pulp uh, novels because he has like such a purple prose way with his words, but I mm-hmm. love it. Like he has fun with his dialogue and it stands out and there's such a creativity to it. Um, to be honest, I think that's one of the things that makes, this, makes his films one of the things I love about him. Cause like, even, you know, there's other films, there are other B-movies that might've had a little more of a budget, but the talking scenes are just straight up, just like rote. you know, it's just da-da-da-da-da, military this, or to quote uh, Brendan Tannold, who does a uh, cult movie reviews on YouTube, his, his phrase for one particular was Star Crash 2, which is not as good as Star Crash 1. <laughs> but like he like the science there, he refers refers to it as the bullshit a <laughs> which you'd see with some some sci-fi movies. Um, you know, instead Ed Wood like he loves writing. Like you would tell this yeah. a guy that really loves what he's doing yes. and it shows. Like, um, I think heart will get you through anything in life. Like, and that sounds maybe naive of me, maybe Pollyanna. But he loves he loves he loves the process. Also, as far as this being a bad movie, I mean, I mean, and I see people, a lot of people say that will refer to the budget, which I think is a little classist, maybe it's because like this is the punk rock DIY, like scruffy little misfit monster that I really am at heart like I I'm like you know what he didn't have a lot of money like yeah. you don't have money you make do okay shower curtains they'll work in the, for the cockpit okay that's you know that's what you do. You DIY it you make it work you use what you have and you get the job done the audio is good, you can hear what everybody's saying clearly yeah. the compositions good that shot of Tor Johnson rising out of the grave. The way that's lit, that's iconic. That's a great every, fucking
0: shot. Like, Ed Wood knew how to shoot Tor, like, every single time Tor Johnson I was on camera, you're just like, oh! Like, just uh, gorgeous oh, he looks awesome. or scary. Or, in yeah.
4: particular, though, that him coming back out of the grave, I mean, truly one of the most recognizable and, as you said, iconic images in in film. Yeah. It's really, and I love how then there's the split second afterwards, which is so Ed Wood, where the little grave marker falls into the hole. Like, they make sure to go back,
3: and it's like, Meh. <laughs> 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 Oh, man. So, yeah, I I love God, not, but yeah, you're right. That camera loves Tor Johnson. Ed Wood loves shooting Tor Johnson. It's so great. Um, you know, and, and so it's like, to me, it's like, if you know composition, you've got The audio where you can hear the dialogue, the editing's fine. Like it's well shot, especially when you see like a good cleaned up print of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, so it's technically I mean, yeah, it does have a lot of money, but fuck that. I mean, Michael Bay's got money like out coming out of his pee hole. And I mean, you're telling me most of those movies are good. Now,
0: I, listen, I, I just wrote about my column last week. Uh, I saw Armageddon for the first time last year. And I, I, I honest to God, think that's a terrible like it's not. It's terribly written. The performance like it's all around bad. Mm-hmm. I I think I think Plan 9 from Outer Space is technically a better movie than Armageddon. And Armageddon oh, yeah. has, you know, however many millions of dollars behind it. So, and, and I'm not saying, like, I I like a lot of Michael Bay's movies. I think Ambulance is fucking great. I love The Rock. But Armageddon is terrible. Uh, and I watched Plan 9 from Outer Space today, and it's like, you know what? You're exactly right, Heather. Ed Wood, you know, he knew the blocking, the composition. Uh, I mean, everything you just said. And, and maybe, you know, people like to comment on the performances in this, which... Uh, again, aren't fucking Oscar worthy, but I usually don't comment on, you know, I, I, I don't prefer to say like, oh, this person is a bad actor or, um, uh, you know, because listen, it's it's all sort of um, relative to who you have to work with, how much money you have to pay these people. Right. Um, you're not going to get fucking Lawrence Olivier for, you know, uh, a steak dinner. Right. Uh, to come and be in Plan Nine from Outer Space. Ed Wood got his friends together. And again, like that's why I love movies like that, because it's just people, you know, Bella Lugosi comes in and he's in this movie, you know, for, uh, for a blink of an eye, but it's because he and Ed like truly loved each other. And I think that's amazing. I love it when friends get together and just make art. It's the coolest. Uh whether and, and again like the worst movie of all time eat a bag of donkey dicks like uh, you know i've seen plenty of sov horror movies where it's like oh, are you fucking kidding me come on uh, i've seen
3: and i've seen some that i i loved like i it's all it's all in like do you have a good idea do you have that enthusiasm you know um yeah make sure the mics are working and you know your audio isn't too hot or muffled so that way the dialogue i mean you want your dialogue to be heard but um you know give a shit i think that's my problem is a lot of hollywood product is it's all substance but nobody's even having fun with that right, i don't exactly. i mean something doesn't have to be an art house masterpiece for me to love it i mean blood diner is legit one of my favorite movies and it's it's yeah hey
0: uh, hey, sorry don't, sorry don't, I mean... don't you
3: come for me <laughs> don't you come for me Anthony <laughs> but uh you know but my point is like have fun with it have something you know you know have something of yourself in it I yes. feel like the problem is like like with Armageddon everything is by the books. There's no love in that movie. And I well, mean, there are there, actors in that movie. I fucking, I love Steve Buscemi. I exactly, love William Exactly. Pitcher.
0: Right. Yeah. But there's no personality. And like with Ed Wood's movies, mm-hmm. you get so much personality. You can never call an Ed Wood movie boring. Um, there's God, he has, he, he gets his personality in there. And you know, what a, a fantastically flamboyant dude this was like, uh, you know, he seems like, You know, if he wasn't, you know, blotto out of his mind or anything, uh, seemed like he could have been uh, quite a pleasure to be around. So, um, uh, Rachel, do you have any? I have a
4: lot to say. Yes, please, (laughs) please jump in. So, um, back to what Danny said about the movie, I completely agree. It's definitely subversive, and I felt like the message was louder and clearer when I just rewatched than ever before even though i always got that feeling for it um so you know it's very uh anti-war and it's definitely um kind of well and i is the first thing that i was thinking was oh yes now we know that the government really did you know there were the conspiracies were true this is now decades and decades later And it was some of the some of that the first kind of conspiracies were coming out, I think, in the fifth in the early fifties. And it was directly, you know, kind of related to that. I love that he was on top of that. I also accept Ed Wood exactly as he is. I think he made movies, he was his own. He was a visionary, a singular visionary, you know. And I don't think it—I ha- don't think he needs to be compared to anybody else. I don't have—I—I I don't even feel like I would want to defend what it is that he does because he just did it his way. But I do have a great quote from um, Gregory Walcott, who played Jeff, who is the commercial pilot in the movie. He said, "Ed had poor taste and was undisciplined." If he had ten million dollars, it would still have been a piece of tasteless shit. <laughs> and I think that's a compliment, you know. I mean, I think Ed personality. Woodward, he, but even more than that, I mean, not. It's like that's his artistic style, you know. Yeah, that's, exactly, as yeah, an tour right. like um, I'm, and I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, and I think I probably that the earliest. Sci- I really like. Um, Maybe that there is the, the no budget low budget quality like we see as soon as we see these flying saucers and they're called flying saucers and they look exactly what how you want them to look you know it's that it even that is like a the stereotype of what these flying saucers would have been in these old sci-fi movies and um, and then also just the the camp is built in it's like he almost created it you know. He, and he hired these people where, you know, Vampira was, she was already known. She was already a character. She was already a host, you know, a horror hostess. And obviously these legend, you know, Tor Johnson and Bella Lugosi, who are just these iconic uh, creatures and monsters. And, you know, just we know them. It's like he had the appreciation for these characters that he wanted to bring into his films. It's like none of it is accidental. and even you know I I do like where it's like oh people just randomly turn knobs and you see things that are it's like it looks like an accordion with knobs glued onto it or something it's like I love all that stuff and as far as the writing what you' what Heather was saying about the writing, I absolutely agree and it it's like he has his own take on it but still you get the military language or even between the couple like uh you know Jeff and whatever, I forget what their last name is. They keep calling her Mrs. whatever, Mrs. Like Travis or whatever it is. I know I've got it somewhere, but. um, Trent. Like their funny banter that's so hot or, you know, not funny, but it's that classic Hollywood where it's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to leave until you're locked safely in the house. She's like, if you're lucky, I'll lock the side door. Like just that whole, you know, (laughs) it's all intentional. These aren't, you know, it. Um, and then I have to add. So as far as the Medveds, I love the Golden Turkey Awards books. I love them. They're up there with Danny's books to me. And so and I think uh, it's they're It's tongue in cheek. I do believe I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you like something, you like something. And I love these Golden Turkey movies. And I, I also believe that it and not even like so bad it's good. I think that some of these are masterpieces because why do we need to hold them to some other standard right. of what's, you know, blockbuster or, or golden Hollywood or whatever, you know, studio system type of stuff or even if they're bad studio movies, I think there's there's just room for so much more variety than people give films credit for.
0: You know, I, uh, who's, My first monologue. who's, nah. who's to say, you know, what's the best, what's the worst. Uh, again, nobody has seen every single movie. So you don't know if you've seen the best you've seen, you know, your opinion of what's the best. You know, I, I look at, um, I don't put much clout into, you know, like the AFI list or the sight and sound that, that came out last year. Um, but you know, I, I love and I snicker at all the, you know, the clutching of the pearls when you know Jeannie Dillman took the number one spot on Sight and Sound last year, and like people were just like, "What? You're kidding me!" And I was like, "Who, who the fuck cares? Go watch the movie. Whatever." Um, and you know, it, it's all our opinion, subjective, objective. What's objective, right? Is our mm-hmm. opinion objective? um so you know i whatever i and again i i uh am not anti golden turkeys because i'm a sucker for a film guide and that's what i look at the golden like i'm just like ooh a list of movies i like this um so uh you know it it is it is what it is and and again um i i don't know how serious or influential they were. Um, but like, but here, here's the other thing. Like when Siskel and Ebert, who I loved, would do their dog of the week. Like I, that pisses me off. But the golden turkeys, I'm like, nah, that's okay. But the dog of the week, no, how dare you? So like, what, come on. You know, it's just we're, we're human beings is all I'm saying, I guess.
3: We all have duality. I mean, <laughs> I, I I I one minute will be, you know, and I'm sincerely like, yes, all all art is subjective. And and that's the beauty of it. And I 100 percent believe in that. At the same time, I remember and I've, I've probably told this story before, but I remember hearing like an old episode or partially watching an old episode of Cisco Neighbor and they reviewed Liquid Sky which I love, I love that movie. Do not come for it within my presence.
0: You're gonna have to. And you're gonna have to come I, on because Liquid Sky is. is oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. A
3: heartbeat. I've never. Okay. I've never gotten to talk about. it. I did an article about it uh, a few years ago and got a very nice message, by the way, by its star and uh, writer Ann Carlisle. Oh, cool. Who's lovely and she's a, like she does pottery now. I think it's ceramics. Super cool lady. Nice. Um But. They, Ebert, and this is the man that wrote one of my favorite movies, The Love Beyond the Valley of Dolls, but he not only did not even, he didn't get it, he didn't even try to get it, you know? And I think that's where I get pissed sometimes with certain like film commentary, where it's like, you don't, yeah, you're not going to love everything. I mean, nobody does. It's impossible. Um, and that's fine. But like, at least try to be objective, you know? Sure. Like, I like I, I didn't like Dr. Zhivago the book by Boris Pasternak, but it's well-written. It just wasn't my bag. I can objectively be that, you know, if I'm writing about it, Uh, but that, oh my God, I got so mad. I was like Yosemite salmon all over the apartment. It was ridiculous. I like for 10 minutes was just nothing but like cussing and being, I mean, it was, um, my husband enjoyed it, that's good. He finds my insanity entertaining. So I'm glad somebody got some chuckles out of it but uh but yeah it's duality we all have a duality and that's yeah. and I think that's also fine too it's part of uh the human condition um but uh but yeah I mean this this movie and I actually i i love some of the performances in this movie um and I mean good I mean and it's funny because like especially with the aliens. It's perfect because there there is something just sort of like they're extra special, they're extra, a little more flair, like Bunny Breckinridge, AKA John Breckinridge, who I did not know until doing research for this, uh, descendant of another John Breckinridge who was vice president of the United States, descendant of that, uh, married a countess in the early 20s that lasted like three years, divorce became openly gay from the twenties there on. Like, and I mean, that's amazing. Cause yeah. that was definitely not a friendly time. Um, in probably anywhere on the planet, right. unfortunately, to be openly gay. Um, or I should say openly trans, cause in the fifties bunny tried to go to Mexico, what well, drove to Mexico, wanted to pursue getting a sex change. Um, Got in a car wreck and ended up not pursuing it mm. but um you know so fascinating fascinating guy um you know i don't even know what the the pronouns were. i think he still went by he when he was here but so sure. if i'm saying that you know that's why but um just what a what a character what a cool guy just uh his statement was like something i'm trying to think i'm gonna paraphrase that but about his youth he's like i was i was wild and you know and with abandon but i did everything grandly like oh holy shit i love the, i love you bunny also the it partial inspiration for myra breckenridge yes. the gore Vidal uh book ah. yeah because gore Vidal knew bunny interviewed bunny um and Bunny, I guess, I read somewhere that Bunny thought it was going to be like a, like a memoir or a biography or something, like a little more closer to nonfiction, ended up becoming obviously more fiction. Um, and also, of course, became a movie, which, uh, was Myra Brickridge the movie, A Golden Turkey? Because I know that one got a lot of better reviews. I find it, I find it interesting, especially because Rex Reed's in it, and he was one of those critics. Rex like, Reed, the was, critic? Yes because he was so hateful to like john waters movies (laughs) but yet like you know he's in this movie where a man gets like sexually assaulted by raquel welch like it's weird it's a weird i'm not i can't even like endorse the movie but it's an interesting like kind of art like artifacts in a way but um but yeah, so, but then you got Dudley Manlove, who I feel like is like one of my spirit animals in this movie, especially when he starts talking about how stupid humanity is. And he's oh. like, You people on Earth are stupid. I mean, that stupid. I'm like, Yeah. The, the writing, <laughs> I mean, again,
0: uh, uh, Edward's writing there is so fucking spectacular and spot on. And then the way uh, Dudley Manlove delivers it, he's, You know, he's a little stiff, but he has uh, a tremendous voice, such a listenable Mm -hmm. voice um, and commanding, a commanding voice where you're just like, "Mm," you kind of zero in on him. And that monologue, you know, however short it is, you're just like, fucking preach, brother. It's it's insanely well written and then well delivered.
4: Yeah. And how and that's really the the anti-war sentiment or these the you know, anti-bomb like he says, when they, the military guy is playing the transmission for the other military guy who had been in charge of these flying saucer, the flying saucer field or whatever they call it. And, he, and on the recording, it says, all you of Earth are idiots. And then he goes down the list and says, first, it was the firecracker. Then it's the hand grenade, the bomb, a larger bomb, the atom bomb, the hydrogen bomb. And it says, you actually exploded the air itself. <laughs> like Just to be like, you dum-dums. You blew up the air. That's how badly you just want to destroy things. And then it says the only explosion left is the sol- solonorite. Yeah. And, I, mm-hmm. and that's so interesting to me, too, because I feel like that's kind of the all-encompassing. Um, that's like what we've done to the environment, you know, and that's kind of predicting it then in 1950 to, I hope we talk more about Criswell. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, cause that's just, that's where we're at. You know, it's like saying, essentially he goes into this long explanation about what it means, where it's like, imagine that the sun particles are gasoline and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, we're going to blow up the planet because of how we've treated it. And it's, and this is, ed wood's statement on humanity you know not just it's like destroying their entire environment all because they're idiots and they're stupid minds and he says like you weren't you know you invented weapons before you had the intelligence to to think to think it out essentially <laughs> where it's the instinct or another line that i really love too is once he he welcomes them onto the ship which or the the space station also looks like a breast, which is funny to me. <laughs> like, um, you know, the military guys are going in, the, or you actually have an investigator, a military guy and a, and a uh, commercial pilot. And they all have guns. They're all, they're all <laughs> for guns. And he says, you do not need guns here. You do not need guns. And the investigator says,
0: Maybe we think we do. You, maybe we think we do. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I was screaming today watching.
4: I know because it's just like, hey, well, we think we do. We don't need guns. We, how about
3: we think we do? <laughs> sure do. <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't he also say something right before or right as they were they're boarding the ship about, yo, if I if I catch a sight of a little green man, I'm gonna shoot first and ask questions <laughs> yes, later. Yes, yes yes my god okay this is why a cab he portrays the he
4: portrays the military as corrupt Mm. and then he portrays police as dumb like just straight up dumb so that that's also really interesting and bold
0: oh god again just so far um, Very
4: anti-authoritarian.
0: Yeah, um, ahead of his time, or or uh, uh, you know, unafraid of whatever consequences might might befall him. Um, and he, you know, I he wasn't. Ed Wood and his movies weren't, you know, known the world over. So it's not like he was making a huge splash. But like he was still, you know, out there saying, uh, you know, these truths that we're going against everything uh, the world, but especially this country, like, believes in, in you know, is, I, I don't know, man, like, because I, I, I'm with you guys. I'm a pacifist. I'm very anti-war, anti-bomb, um, anti-gun, everything. And, you know, when I hear someone, especially from the 50s out there, you know, saying all these things that I, I believe in and agree with it's, you know, it's very inspiring. Um, and that, you know, I think that's what we can get from Ed Wood is, is, um, you know, just this deep inspiration. Think what you want. I don't care what you think about his, you know, his filmmaking or his art, but like the man, uh, this person had convictions and he wasn't afraid to get them out there, you know, with, with this, however small his platform was and, you know, good on him. Okay. Tell, I know nothing about Chris. Well, tell me about him.
4: Oh, uh, I, I feel like Heather's going to want to start on this
3: one. Okay. Are you and sure? I, I... I mean, I,
4: I have stuff, but I feel like Heather is
3: the. The real source here. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I uh, if I, and if I get too swiffery, if I start swiffering my bits too much, feel free to throw a rock at me and be like, hey. Also, I've come up with, I think, and and I want Rachel's, of course, your feedback on this. I feel like a better tag team name for us is the Crimson She-Devils. Sure. Ooh. Do you like that? Sure
0: you guys should get motorcycles start a bike a biker
3: yes start singing get off the road come on yeah Yeah, okay so Criswell or the amazing Criswell uh was a famous psychic um in the 50s and 60s and, and onward um and in fact was uh became so popular he was uh close friends and apparently psychic to Mae West which I love and would have given anything to be a fly on that wall. Like, oh, because I love, love Mae West. And um, you can, can't you see him with his blonde little spit curl? Like, it's almost like a Bob's big boy hair kind of, but like <laughs> Jean Harlow style. Like in, like with in Mae West, like Diane Arbus shot plates with her little monkeys and her white rug. I don't know. Anyways, in um, Criswell, as far as like, I mean, now people are noticing, oh, he's wildly erroneous. I mean, I th- I think most people that are famous for being psychics, I mean, I think realistically, if you di- deep dive into any of them, you're going to be able to say that. <laughs> like, But Chris to me, was always fun. And reportedly, he did predict that John F. Kennedy would not be president for a second term uh, because something was going to happen to him in 63 that would make him unable hmm. I think he even said November of 63. Oh God, yeah. So, um, so, you know, who knows? Um, Flamboyant personality, uh, there's a great interview and I'm hoping it's still online. If it is, I'll send you the link with um, this guy who when he was a kid, him and his mother lived in the same building that Criswell and his wife did. His wife was like a former burlesque dancer and singer. and had all these, this guy had all these crazy stories about, Chriswell. like, talked like that in real life, like, he talked in that stentorian <laughs> way, and his mother, like, they were new to the Los Angeles area, and she was like, hey, where's a good place for us to get a cup of coffee, and he goes, the Gold Cup, and, like, and he <laughs> says it like that, which the Gold Cup was a notorious, like, play, like place for, like, I think the guy, I don't know if he said this article, but like chicken, like chicken hawks, And there was a lot of gay cruising. Uh, Black Randy, the uh, the punk singer, oh, actually yeah. had a song called Riot at the Cup. Um, so I love that I can connect Black Randy to Criswell in oh, this God. universe. <laughs> but um, again, yeah, Criswell just, uh, you know, of course, he's also in Edwards' Wood's uh, pinned. Ed Wood didn't direct it, but he did write the script for Orgy of the Dead. Um, which has some great Edward writing and Criswell as basically like this curator, this leader of uh, this uh, basically go-go dancers of the dead that each do a little strip tease to represent how they died in the afterlife. And there's a werewolf and he, there's a woman that uh, because of her greed, she is buried in gold and Criswell keeps waving his hand going more gold. And it's one of the greatest things. I've ever seen. I, I'm not I'm not good on biography about Griswell, but I, I would call myself an authority, but I have a lot of love in my heart for him. Uh I think one of his predictions, he said at one point the America would be 80% homosexual, which I wish that was the case, because oh, maybe yeah, especially in the South, like Jeez. that way. That was low. Seriously. Um to quote to, <laughs> to, to quote Edith Massey, the life of a heterosexual is a sick. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I mean Criswell's amazing and the fact in his entrance I love the fact that this film entrance, you know has this entrance of him with this great lighting again great lighting and yeah. a way that the lights dim down and have those shadows behind them like come on there's some art to that um gives it not only such an unusual presence because he's in a newscaster This isn't like, you know, masterpiece theater style. Like it's Criswell who in and of itself was such a wonderful inventive, you know, I love, I love, I tend to kind of like artists that are like so unique that they, in a way they're an invented persona, but they're also just so innately weird that that's, you know, it's not really a phony thing after a while. It's just like, they're like, yes, the gold cup and like, you know, and he, he, it just adds such a flavor to it that you don't see. Again, that's why I think so many of us go to cult films in general is because cult films are films that are going to guarantee you something that you don't see, and it could be anything. It could be a storyline, an act, a certain performance, whatever. Um, I love Criswell, um, and but yes, but Rachel, I feel like I hope I didn't talk over you or anything. Like,
4: no, you hit a lot of my points, which is awesome. I definitely wanted to bring up Mae West. I mean. He was a performer, you know, I mean, that uh, he was a bit of a, he was a broadcaster and a radio personality and just such a strong personality. And I do love the idea. I feel like it was um, taken into other parts of culture, the idea of a kind of a, you know, a psychic that's, that is is wrong. So I, I love that quite a bit because I feel like sometimes his predictions could be, they were campy and they were outrageous. Like this is a, one of the anecdotes about Mae West. He was her personal psychic. And one of his predictions was that uh, himself and her and Liberace's brother, George, were going to go on a, to into space on a rocket ship. So I wish <laughs> that that would have happened. And I love that. And also, she so Mae West had a song called Criswell Predicts and Groovy Ghoulies play, had a song called Criswell uh, Predicts. So, again, that's another, you know, you had your reference, you like to get in there for, on the, and I think Groovy Ghoulies is another important yes. one to add into that. Um, and I, uh, he he just has some good, like where he said, we're here to, what's the... Or we're let's punish the guilty and reward the innocent is like one of his part of his introduction.
3: Yes, I love it. It's that. like I
4: don't even know that I, I don't know if the the film represents that, but it's like he's such a great hype man. Just having him at the beginning of the end like that, it's like he is a host, but he's also you know he's like be very. We're living it where he says like start from now on. We're living in the future, which is completely true. Every well, moment was the future.
0: Yeah. I, you know, the, the dialogue that Ed Wood wrote for him and for Dudley Manlove, like he knew who he was writing for and these guys were like the perfect guys to deliver those exact words. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of times you don't write like that, but this is, we're talking about, uh, unconventional filmmaking here, film writing here. Um, and so it, you know, <clears throat> I I don't know. He's so it's such a great like you're saying, Heather. Like it's, you know, it's the bookends with Criswell, of you know it it starts with the backlighting and you see his silhouette and then he sits down at like the news desk and then it goes into the movie and at the end, it's him at the news desk and then he stands up and it's the backlighting and you see his silhouette. I don't know. It's like the perfect bookend to this movie. And again, like. Kind of shows Ed Wood knew what the hell he was doing. This this isn't some dude that was like, I don't know, I guess I'm going to try to make a movie. No, this is a guy who's like, we're going to fucking make a movie. We're making a movie. Because mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing.
4: I think it's important to say how he integrated the idea of aliens and uh, undead monsters, too. Oh, yeah. Because that's what Plan 9 is. Plan 9 is the resurrection of the dead which they would then march through earth in order to prove their existence, which is brilliant. And so, and we don't, of course, we don't see them marched out like that, but um, what a what a great uh, idea. And that he really spells it out that it, you know, this is how you can incorporate, because these are all our, you know, these are all our special characters. These are all of our, the sci-fi and and horror, characters that we love so much and that's how he puts them together in the 50s so i just love that
0: well you know the the inspiration and i don't want to step on any picks when we get into our pairings here in a in a bit um but the inspiration of that the 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 combination of you know something happening in space uh being related to the dead waking up is seen to this day, you know, I mean, obviously there's big, big movies that, uh, uh, you know, something like Night of the living dead, right. Is, uh, he talks about, you know, there's something, uh, a comet passing or whatever the deal is in that movie. It's like, it, it, it all kind of comes back to, Oh, look, Ed Wood did it first, <laughs> uh, which is crazy. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I I I love 50s sci fi like, you know, I talk about Sven Gulli all the time here. I love Sven Gulli and I like the horror hosts as opposed to like the guys who talk guys and gals, people who talk over the movie. Uh, you know, I I like mm. Joe Bob. I like Elvira. I like, um, you know, Sven Gulli. And then, uh, you know, I wish I was old enough to have experience you know people like Goulardi or whatever we have a guy here in town called um uh doctor it doesn't matter he's really bad it's really embarrassing <laughs> watching him but so oh like, god well i'm
3: glad you forgot his name yeah, sven ghouly
0: sven ghouly <laughs> they're not listening Sven Gouley, uh, <laughs> is fair. is always on in our house we might not be watching but me tv is always on in our on our house on saturday nights and so like you know, a lot of times we'll find ourselves just sitting down and watching, you know, them or, you know, like uh, uh, one of my all time favorites, 20 million miles to earth. Um, but like, you know, 50 sci fi that guys like Sven Gulli have a heart for, like they have a passion for this type of stuff. And again, the first time I watched Plan 9. None of I was just like, uh, yeah, bad, cheesy, blah, blah blah blah. Naughty. That was naughty, naughty film watching by Anthony. This time I was like, fucking killer, like 50 sci-fi. Like I would love to, and I he's he's shown it, but I for some reason have never seen it. I would love to see Sven Gulli's cut-ins for Plan Nine, uh, because God, you know the stories uh and the people involved uh would just add so much to his stuff, but. I I'm love
4: reporting from a hotel room in Chicago and there's know, not a yeah, it's, you know, fan
0: than myself. Right. So I you know, I I don't know, I just I loved that aspect. I know, I know both of you touched on it earlier, but I I needed to pipe in too and just say, this is a you know, if you're a fan of this is no and that's what I wrote in my little letterbox review today. This is no worse than any of those other cheesy sci fi movies from the fifties. Like it's all, you know, sort of um, you know, a lot of them are uh, anti-bomb, you know, obviously Godzilla is a big one, but, um, you know, I, I just, I, I love the, you know, pretending to turn the knobs and the, you know, we're going to throw a blanket over this console and say, this is the flux capacitor or whatever the fuck you want to call Like, you know, they have all these weird machines, the spaceships. Um, I, t- I talked uh, with Emma Westwood about forbidden planet, forbidden planet, right. With Leslie Nielsen. Uh, you nice. know that's another one of those you know yeah. I, fuck I, I love you know just charming 50s sci-fi movies where it's like everybody's doing it and you know some people have more money than others but it's all you know it's all fun some of it is very boring I've seen some very boring ones but a lot of them are so much fun
3: yeah
0: uh, um
3: I and I have to say there's a few things um I'm not interrupting am I
0: no no I'm done
3: okay um horror hosts are always way better than anybody that's going to riff or make jokes always always support your horror house i actually have a framed picture of the ghoul which i didn't i didn't get to grow up in a local horror host um because you know kind of that just wasn't in my area by the time i rolled around but thanks to youtube you can discover some of the older ones and the ghoul from cleveland and also uh here in detroit had a huge following the ghoul's amazing so i just have to put that out there the ghoul love the Ghoul, um Speaking to like something I love that you brought up so much, uh, Rachel, is I love how Edward does incorporate the horror with the science fiction. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love this so much, because, you know, I'm always, I I love sci-fi, but I'm a monster kid at heart. I love horror and um, I love that he's able, and I think he does a beautiful job of blending in the fantastic. And I think that's something that so many filmmakers have kind of lost the feel for, is that sense of the what they call what the French would call fantastique in cinema, Maybe. where it's and I <laughs> and like, I and I just find it so charming. I get irritated when people just get so fucking lost in their nerd, like nerd miasma of like, but zombies don't run fast because they're, they're not fucking real. Okay. None of this is, it's real. <laughs> have fun with it. Okay. It's, and it's the fantastic. Look at the bigger picture with it. Um, you know, God, it's like, if that's all you can get, you're blind, you know, stop it. <laughs> that's why I'd be a great therapist. Yeah. Stop it. But, um,
0: like Bob, Newhart. Uh,
3: yeah, <laughs> I love that bit, but, um, we don't go there, but, uh, you know, I, I love that. And also something that you both have touched upon and I want your opinions on this. Cause you've got me, you've got me thinking, uh, cause I've always felt like a lot of times the art that people really get rejected and like, Oh, that sucks. Like they get really um, like invested in Cause I mean, let's face it, so, stuff that's truly unwatchable. Nobody talks about, No, I think Mike White said it best where he said the worst movie in the world has only been seen by the person that made it and maybe their mother. Right. And that's it. You know, and of course, what scares me is I always think, well, that could also be the best movie, you know, we'll never, you know, but anyways, um, <laughs> exactly. but that's yeah.
4: That's a good point to make.
3: And uh, but I feel like the things that people try to censor or that people mock instantly are usually things that have something subversive. Yeah. Because I think I, I I have and this is my real cynical side showing. I I think so much of society, people say they want edgy art, they want truth, and art, but they don't want it because a lot of times when they get something that actually has that, they don't like it it's too much. They, they, they want to be coddled. They want to have something that makes them feel completely safe and not even like, we all have comfort food stuff. That, that's fine. But like, if you have a diet of nothing but mashed potatoes, you're going to get scurvy, you know, like, <laughs> and. Oh no, but, don't tell me that. Oh no. I fucking love mashed potatoes. <laughs> get some, get some out <laughs> But. But I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think part of, I mean, cause I mean low budget films, I mean, yeah, this movie, yeah, it obviously didn't have the biggest budget. That's nothing new. It wasn't new then, It certainly not new now. What Do you guys think that part of the reason maybe even subconsciously is because maybe because there is like something really kind of cool and political going on here? I think people wanna be right
4: and they wanna be included. They wanna feel right and they wanna feel included. So I think that's how you get blockbusters and that's how you get films that we may even love, but we know that, but we get tired of because they're so embraced by cult, you know, society. And uh, I just think people aren't that creative and they're not that open-minded. And I think they wanna know like, please just tell me the thing to like, tell me the qualities of what makes a good movie. I wanna be right about this, you know? and And so they don't have uh, they have such a narrow definition for what that means that they insult art because they don't understand it.
0: I think something like Plan Nine from Outer Space, people of my generation uh, grew up hearing, "Oh, this is a bad movie. We just laugh at it and don't take it seriously. And so we approach. Uh, many things like that going forward. It took me a long time to, you know, well into my thirties to appreciate film. Even, you know, if I'm watching something bad, uh, to actually hear what the filmmaker is trying to say here, you know, like, like watching plan nine today, it was, um, it was fun and it's really fucking depressing, to be quite honest. And I, because there's so much harsh truth in this movie that Ed Wood put into his script, I don't know if, uh, when when we're talking about Plan Nine specifically, I think people have just uh, heard, oh, this is a bad movie. We make fun of, and that's it. Um, and I think it's you know. Um, the general movie going audience is not listening to this podcast or many movie podcasts, you know, people who actually love movies, people actually, you know, um, uh, read about movies or whatever are listening to a show like this. And, uh, but to anyone listening to this episode who in the past been, you know, kind of had the same attitude that I did when I approached plan nine today, as oh it's just a bad movie i have to suffer through this you know whatever 79 minutes of bullshit uh it certainly wasn't suf- suffering this time around because um you know i sat down and uh, i you know was listening to what ed wood had to say here and it 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 was challenging which i was not expecting it was depressing which i was not expecting uh lots of it's very funny um I think a lot, he's, God, he knows how to write comedy for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I think generally people don't want to be challenged with their art, uh, which, who, who am I to say, you know what, you, you need to watch Challenge, you need to sit down and watch 12 Ingmar Bergman films. Put down the blockbusters, I, watch whatever you want, I don't care. Um, you know, cause some people watch movies purely for the escapism, which is, I completely understand. Like that's, I don't want real world things talked about in my art sometimes. Um, and then sometimes I'm not expecting those things to come from what I'm watching. And then it hits me like a fucking, you know, 30 ton dump truck, like plan nine from outer space, believe it or not did this afternoon
4: yeah it's intense social commentary i i do have another uh cultural reference that actually the first way that i this that plan nine would have come into my consciousness is through another great creator and appreciator of art glenn danzig who had uh, (laughs) his original record label was blank records and he traded the rights to mercury records for studio time so we had to rename it and he renamed it plan nine records after the movie so i would have been aware of glenn danzig's plan nine records and and heard through that that that's where the name came from so even though it took me a while to see it after that i knew that that's where it came from and who is you know like misfits and danzig definitely blend sci-fi and horror so that's a pretty perfect, and, and, you know, I always like to pull out a punk reference, too, so.
0: You're talking Hell, about, yeah. You're talking about Danzig, the filmmaker, right?
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> the fine,
0: I, Danzig, the <laughs> fucking artist, is what he Absolutely. is, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
3: Oh, my God, my heart just, like. Grew like five times in size. <laughs> I totally want to do like a Spotify like playlist for this. We could have that. And have a oh,
0: that'd be cool. Yeah,
3: there's there's a 50s song about vampire that's got I can't I can't remember the name of the artist right now, but it's totally got like kind of a fun, almost like rockabilly kind of vibe to it. Oh my god, yes, we, of course, we... Plan 9, Channel 7, The Damned. Oh, so good. We uh. They... We...
0: We have a local radio show, uh, a guy on our NPR station, he does on Saturday evenings, he does the Atomic Radio Hour, and he Ooh. plays music, you know, from this era, you know, to, the, kind of the, the Cold War era, um, and then talks about, you know, what was happening around the world at that time. So it, it's it's kind of fun to listen to.
3: Oh, man. Um, One more thing, though. Yes. Real quick. Um, The whole like that that song, Rachel, you mentioned earlier about uh, or that prediction that Chris will said that him and Mae West and Leperacci's brother go off on a rocket ship. Does that make you think about a little bit about the amazing ending to um, Love Doll Superstar? Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh, my God. I need to write David Markey do it find <laughs> out if there's a connection over oh, anthony have you seen either yeah no. or desperate teenage love dolls
0: uh, no no but Dude. yeah we that talked about it watch. on the pink flamingos
3: promise me you were gonna watch
0: yeah i will i will
3: it, i it's so good
0: Man, yeah so i good. i fa- it's i found it on youtube it's on my youtube watch list so
3: And I mean, come on! You get to see one of the one of the McDonald brothers attacked by a flying Gene Simmons doll. Jello Biafra plays the President of the United States.
0: God, we should be so lucky.
3: Fuck, man! Yeah, that would. (laughs) I love Jello. I was gonna say Tor Johnson. um, First of all,
4: if people don't know, he was a Swedish wrestler. Yes, wrestler, and one of his wrestling names was Super Swedish Angel. (gasps) I love. And also, I've only I saw. One picture of Tor with hair, because it turns out I guess he shaved his head. He had thick blonde curls. Apparently, he was totally Swedish, very Swedish Swedish giant. But I saw a picture of him with hair, and he looked like Ned Beatty. Holy shit! I can see
0: that. I can see that.
4: It was. It's in profile. It's on. You can find it online. But I thought that was interesting. And then the other thing, if people don't know, um, one of the best-selling halloween Don post halloween masks from the 60s and the 70s was Tor johnson's face
0: oh wow
3: oh my that's god that's super that, cool you see
0: that's that
3: terrifying. mask pop up in so many there's um oh my god rachel as always like you got my brain spinning because you know one of my favorite musicians uh ever is Vern langton Vern langton actually is more famous for working at Don post yeah as a as a as a mask, as some of the most famous monster masks was Vern Langdon, and including the Bell Lagosi type one, the count. But Vern Langdon, total bon vivant, professional clown, and did a music for clowns. Uh, magician, uh, supported like openly supported drag artists, which I think is very cool. And professional wrestler and trainer, and you know who, who who trained him in professional wrestling was two famous wrestlers. One was Tor Johnson, and the other one was the fabulous Moolah. Awesome, Vern Langdon. Oh, I I I did an, I wrote an article about him that was in Brewmorgue a few years ago, and and I just and that's because and that's not me like being like oh look at me. I want everybody to know about Vern Langton. <laughs> I want everyone to look at Heather and read everything that she writes. Oh, my (laughs) God. For real. (laughs) That would be a huge bonus. I'm going to say, look at you. Oh, my God. But also, everybody loved Vern Langdon, and you know he it, and he passed away just a few years ago. But on his website, he even had like a little like Captain Vern section where he had like tiki cocktail recipes, oh, and man. he's just like he's like the uncle everybody would want, and it just like you know loves monsters, um, just oh my god, amazing those al those albums, like he did music for magicians and. Uh, Phantom of the Harpsichord and um, two circus like clown themed albums. Two of them. And one of them has a track called uh, <laughs> What Do You Mean You Lost Your Dog? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, I love love, 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 love Burn Langdon. What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. And, um, you lost your dog. I think I used to not be that fan of a clown working on that, researching Vern Langdon. This has nothing to do with that wood. I apologize. But I'm just saying I fucking love clown images now. Like anytime I go thrifting, I'm looking for like clown paintings. I, I have like, I am a clown convert. <laughs> I'm, in
4: the, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. I, don't, I think it's a very, I feel like, I don't know who talked about this, but you know, when people are like, the scary clowns thing is like fake. It's not, re- no. you know what I mean. Right. I I feel like mm-hmm. it's a false. It's it's something false that's been projected into culture that people, you know, clowns are fine. They're what great. What we what we can't see Agreed. in Rachel's
0: hotel room is is all the pictures all clowns. Of, of clowns well, that she she travels with and pace on the walls in the hotels that she's staying in. I'd be so it's, jealous. It's, what can you imagine the house it's, 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 housekeeper it's, walking in being out like? Out. What the fuck is going on yeah. here? All right, um,
4: I, I do decorate. If you notice, though, I do have some things in here I, that I
0: is that oh, a little pony or that get the... feel
4: more like it's a lamb. It's like a lamb. It's a lamb cutout I got at the flea market. That's nice. so cute. I see your oh, sweet, sweet little market. there's, there's Zelda.
0: Baby. Yeah, oh, okay. Sweetie. I hate to to push us along. Do some pairings, oh, no. please, um, but I'm gonna okay. So we're moving on to pairings now. We talked about um, how interesting this will be. Um so I'm curious to see if we have any overlap where we're going with this. Uh Heather, we're gonna start with you. Let's hear your first one.
3: Um Okay, and this is me just going off what I'll call my base brain. Just like, okay, what's well, just the first name, not even try to overthink it. And the first one that came to my mind was the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera.
0: <laughs> Quiet Day. I certainly hope someone needs a forest ranger here sometime.
1: Hello. I'm Dr. Roger Fleming, and I seem to have lost my way. I'm Ranger Brad, and that's what I'm here for. You can call me Ranger Brad. Most folks do. Yes, Ranger Brad. Of course. I like that. Do you think you could tell me the way to Cadaver Cave? Cadaver Cave? Why do you want to go there? Ranger Brad, do I tell you all your ranger business?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess not. Keep going on this trail about a mile.
1: You can't miss it. Thank you, Ranger Brad. You've been very helpful. Anytime. Oh, say. You don't believe those old legends about the lost skeleton of cadaver do you (laughs) ranger brad i'm a scientist i don't believe in anything (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) fella.
3: and i hope i'm saying that last part right oh no rachel you've made a face is that oh i love it it's so good right like oh my god
4: because and- you say the first thing that comes to your mind, I was just like, this is not the first thing that comes to anybody's mind. Except
0: <laughs> except <laughs> Heather. Right, exactly.
3: I should have been, Vern Langton! That's not even a movie, Heather. Stop it. <laughs> 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 uh, the Lost Skeleton of Cadaver is a fun, such a well-made movie. You know, it's made, I want to say 2007. I'm probably getting the year wrong on that. But um, I, and I'm usually not the biggest fan when more modern filmmakers try to make a retro style film because a lot of times, unless they really have a love and knowledge of what they're doing, it just kind of just seems like they're faking the funk to quote George Clinton. This is not the case here. These are, these the people involved in this had, you could see tremendous fun. And even, I think more important, a tremendous love for all of those great, movie 50s sci-fi and horror stuff that we all love um you know I don't want to give too much away there is like a panther girl that makes me think of Jane Weedlin meets Island of Dr. Moreau Aww. and I love which is so great um and I highly highly recommend people checking it out
0: this is I, yeah I've never heard of this this is I was I just googled Larry Blameyer. interesting guy interesting visionary
3: i would i would not i would not let, let lead anybody astray I,
0: I would not expect anything <laughs> less from you so it's very exciting um okay that's the lost skeleton of cadavra um all right rachel let's hear your first one
4: okay my first pairing is my brain the first thing it went to i'm gonna say is much more uh not as unusual as what yours is mine is the 1988 classic elvira mistress of the dark
2: remember our old hometown nothing to do but wash the paint dry i see you've made your famous tic tac pie. then one day along came you looking for me the- what a bomb show what a star a- here's it Rated PG thirteen. Special sneak preview Saturday, September twenty fourth. Check your newspaper for time and location. Yes.
4: Directed by James Signorelli, who was a producer of the um, was a film producer on SNL for thirty five years. He did a lot of the commercials, or I mean, you know, hundreds, four hundred episodes, so hundreds of the commercials and different filmed things. Um, And it was written by Cassandra Peterson, who is of course Elvira. and the late great John Paragon, ah. who uh, preceded Paul Rubens in death, not that long ago. And um, the brilliant Jambi, of course. And he and Cassandra were just uh, absolute best friends. And then Sam Egan, who's a TV writer, really prolific TV writer, also helped write that. But um, anyhow, it is a you know, an Elvira movie, as we know her to be the the horror hostess. She wouldn't exist without Vampira, um, and so she uh, she's she's essentially herself in this movie. And she quits her job as a horror host um, when she is after she is sexually harassed, and she uh, coincidentally inherits a mansion in Massachusetts from an aunt, and uh, she goes there. And has all sorts of problems, and they want to burn her at the stake as a witch. So um, this is just an homage to horror hostesses, and I think that it's a great pairing for that. And she's just one of my all-time
3: favorite characters and people. Oh my god, preach it to the mountain! I have I every mean, girl. I need to send you pictures. I have a tiny Elvira shrine in my office. You can't. You kind of. <laughs> You kind of almost see it. I love her. I have worshiped her since I was a little girl, Elvira and David Lee Roth. Without those two people, I would not be the person I am today. Make of that what you will, but that I love it. And you know something, and that's so brilliant about you picking this is, I think that movie has some great kind of subversiveness too. Cause the whole like Fallwell, the town's called Fallwell. Oh, yes. okay. the town's people are hateful and conservative. Edie McClurg, who is <laughs> fucking awesome too what's, what's her name uh, Ch- oh chastity, chastity. Oh, oh I I, have, what? I, have I can't right
0: remember those.
3: but she actually at one point when she's ranting Chast- about
0: the people chastity peop- pariah
3: yes oh god that's <laughs> so good about the people that don't want their town and she actually says swarthy yes. and it's like ooh that's nasty but that and and that's coming out in the height of like, eight, like the 80s Reagan Bush era fucking brilliant Oh, my God. And also, I love that you like John Paragon. I feel like he's so underrated. I love him so yeah. much. So
0: my, my, my dad worked in a grocery store for many, many years as as their sign painter. And so he would bring home, you know, displays and stuff. And one year there was a, a Bud Light display for Halloween. Elvira, <gasps> uh, like, you know, life size stand up.
4: Amazing. Oh. Do as you still a, have it?
0: No, but oh, as a as a young, I'm sure my mom made us throw it away. Oh but my like, god! It, it, like I, in the Dishammer. basement, I, I remember the first day he brought it home, and I walked oh, downstairs oh, and saw that thing there, and I was like, oh, "I'm a man now."
3: <laughs> <laughs> so like ever
0: ever since like you know I was probably six or seven, mm-hmm. and uh, ever since just I mean totally in love. With with Elvira and Cassandra Peter, like just oh my god, one so of the greatest funny. storytellers. Yeah, she's hysterical. She's one of the yeah, God, she's just the best. Oh, that's um, a brilliant pick. Yeah, yeah, very very well done. Uh, for my first one, I'm gonna go with um a movie I just watched for the first time last weekend, and it's Jeff Lieberman's Remote Control.
1: It came from beyond the stars, the ultimate weapon of human destruction.
2: Mom, my TV.
1: The next videotape you watch could control your mind. It could possess your body. It could take your life. Remote control.
2: Why did they pick home videos to destroy mankind?
1: Cassettes don't destroy people destroy it's more than a movie remote control you've been wondering how the movie ended haven't you cosmo
2: you set me up
1: (laughs) remote control what you view can kill
0: you from 1988 uh love jeff lieberman you know he did um uh, Blue Sunshine. Oh yeah, that's great cult horror movie. It's so fucking weird. Um, but Remote Control is sort of a, a sci-fi, um, you know, killer VHS type of movie. Um, it's aliens have come down, and they are introducing this mysterious VHS tape that, if you watch it, it sort of like uh, uh hypnotizes you into. Killing whoever you're with. And so, you know, it's the latest, hottest tape to get uh, rented. And so uh, it stars Kevin Dillon, not necessarily the lesser Dillon, just one of the Dillons. He uh, works at a video store with his buddy and, you know, they they get a copy of remote control to put on their shelves. and, And like they cannot keep it on the shelf. Everybody wants it. And they soon figure out what's going on. It's really silly. But it's fucking great, which is not surprising. Jeff Lieberman uh, is such a great writer and director. Just before Dawn, one of the greatest slasher films he did, he did Squirm. Um, uh, I can't sing the praises of Satan's Little Helper, but many can. Uh, But Remote Control is, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen it. I know a lot of people have not seen it really good and really funny exciting um but it, you know i i love the like plan nine where the aliens are are here for good uh in remote control the aliens are here for nefarious purposes have you have either, either of you seen it
3: i don't think so i've heard of it i've never seen it i've only seen blue sunshine which i which I do love. And I mean, plus Zalman King's in it, which um, I love Zalman King. Some call it loving is my favorite performance of his. And that's a really brilliant movie. Um, I'll have to check that out though. That sounds cool.
0: It's a lot of fun. Um, okay. That's remote control from 1988. And we're back to Heather. Ah.
3: Um,
0: so my second pick um, is
3: kind of, um, a more modern film, but done and very much kind of similar in the sense of being like kind of a love letter to this era, is The Ghastly Love of Johnny X.
1: Jonathan, Xavier, inasmuch as you insist on being an outsider and laughing at the rules and traditions of our advanced civilization, I am exiling you to a place which has no adherence to either. I have no choice but to sentence you to Earth.
2: Interlude. I've been in that godforsaken desert for forty days and forty nights, all to get away
0: from Johnny and his pack of jackals.
2: Where is she? What's up with Johnny? What's he waiting for? We've seen planet Earth for what it's worth, but there's other planets to explore. <laughs> Flying saucer. <laughs>
1: Mickey O'Flynn, the man with the grin,
2: is missing.
0: Oh, my God. I might just faint.
2: I want to tell the whole world that I'm alive.
0: How do you think you came back?
2: Message for the people, and I'm in need of a medium.
3: You'll always be an extra large to me, Mickey. And it's a musical. Um, beautiful black and white work. I always love it when somebody actually because so many people. I'm trying to remember even like there was like that Marvel was it Werewolf by Night? Like somebody sent me a trailer, and they're like, oh look, it's like done like a Richard style. But I'm like, yeah, but it's not lit like you're supposed to light black and white. Like if you watch the old black and white stuff, these were technicians that knew how to light yep. black and white where you have depth and you have shadow and texture. And the ghastly love of Johnny X is gorgeous. It also is such a great cast. Uh Will Keenan, um, who I love as an actor, he's also a total sweetheart of a of a person in um, effect. Uh, this was his last role. Like he has since like retired from acting, uh which is a crime because he's a great actor. I first saw him in *Romeo and Juliet* oh, yeah. and *Terra Firma*, and he's awesome. And he's great here. You also get Kevin McCarthy, the good one. I hate that I even have to say that. It's like now yeah. it, It's like yeah. it's like Joe Walsh. I'm like no, the good one, <laughs> the one I was in *The James Cake*. <laughs> but uh, oh god. Uh, Oh, Reggie Bannister from Phantasm, who I oh, yeah. fucking love. Reggie Bannister's the man. Uh, Creed Bratton. I hope I'm saying his last, last name right. Oh, I from think, The
0: Office. Yeah.
3: I know. It's so weird to me that most people know him from The Office. He was in the grassroots. Like the 60s band. The grassroots are amazing. What? Are you serious? I'm dead
0: serious. Holy shit.
3: Yeah. Yeah, live for today. Come on. Uh, which also the Lords of the New Church do an excellent cover of uh but yeah the ghastly love of johnny x it's fun i don't i mean it's not a perfect movie but uh there's a lot of heart it's gorgeous to look at um i always love it when people have musical like have a musical where there really shouldn't be one (laughs) like forbidden zone is one of my favorite you know like it just i somehow makes it better for me um and uh you know great cast uh oh paul williams holy shit yeah i almost forgot i love paul williams uh so yeah ghastly love of johnny x
0: man again never heard of it but i need to see it it sounds fascinating um gosh yeah the i mean the cast alone is sort of breathtaking Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Oh, and Creed Creed Bratton's really great too. Like, if if it's well, you know him from the office, this will be a cool way.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, nice. Okay, uh, back to you, Rachel.
4: Okay, my pairing number two is Richard Fleischer's 1973 eco dystopian thriller, Soylent Green
1: New York City, 50 years from today. Nothing runs, nothing works. But people are the same, and people will do anything to get what they need. What they need most is Soylent Green. Simonson, board of directors of the Soylent Corporation, murdered because he discovered the secret of Soylent Green. Detective Thorne. He's got to find out what Simonson knew. Ah! Saul Roth, Thorne's researcher. Courtesy of your next assignment. William R. Simonson, Chelsea Towers West. When, how'd you get all these? Cheryl, the furniture. Is that Simonson? Is that a yes nod or a no nod? Yes. Hatcher, police captain. Simonson. Supposed to look like he was killed when he caught some punk burglarizing his apartment. What do you say? It was an assassination. Tab Fielding, bodyguard. Why would you leave that door open? (laughs) (laughs) did you set up, Simonson? Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Lee Taylor Young, Chuck Connors. Fight for survival and solve the most bizarre riddle ever to face mankind.
2: This is the police. I'm asking you to disperse. The supply of Soylent Green has been exhausted.
1: Why does Soylent Green mean life?
2: You must disperse
1: are on their way. Why does silent green really mean death?
4: Starring Charlton Heston, um, and it's set in twenty twenty two, which we've now actually surpassed. And uh, New York City has a population of forty million. Overpopulation and pollution has destroyed, has caused this dystopia. Only the rich can afford anything. It's a, an extreme, the haves and have-nots. Um, and Charlton Heston discovers the terrible truth, a terrible truth of their society. It's and people. so I think from the eco, oh, yes, and Green is people. It's people. <laughs> Uh, So just from the eco standpoint, I think it's a good, you know, from climate change overpopulation, I feel like that's some of the social commentary that we were getting from from Plan 9. And I think uh, the year of my birth, 1973, we were also being given that from Charlton Heston, who I completely disagree with about regarding guns. So he Uh, may have said from his cold, dead hands, but um, no gun, zero gun. <laughs> I like zero guns. I don't care if it's practical or rational to say no guns at all. I say no guns.
3: I would like space guns or love gun. As we <sighs> came up, the kiss dum- oh. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rachel's like that.
0: I'm sorry. Something, something I, I've never <laughs> noticed. I've never really looked closely at the Soylent Green poster. Yeah. Uh the poster is fucking awesome. Like the the you know the the actual cartoon drawing of it with him running from the riot control uh tractor thing that has the bucket raised and it's full of bodies. It's awesome. Great poster. Uh I've never seen Soylent Green before, believe it or not. Classic. I mean yeah hey, I I mean I know you know the punchline. I uh, spoilers. I'm sorry, folks. Ah, and then, you
4: then now you get to know that we live in a future that is technically beyond the one portrayed.
0: Uh, kind of scary. Yep. I don't know if I want to know what what's happening here. Uh, I mean, if Plan Nine from Outer Space kind of predicts the future. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, it's been
4: people for at least a year, according to Soil
0: and Green. Uh, well, they're delicious. What can I say? Um, uh, onto, uh, from one prediction to another, we are now living in a world that is just like the one depicted in the movie that I'm going to talk about right now. And this is the one when I was watching plan nine today, I was like, eh, oh, I'm going to, th- we got to go with this one. Cause I love this movie. It's my favorite movie by this director. And, um, Uh, It's a little movie called uh, City of the Living Dead from a gentleman named Lucio Fulci.
1: I was just lucky.
0: No, it was written. Are you acquainted with the Book of Enoch?
2: A text which dates back to more than 4,000 years ago. It contains man's first recorded description of his his boundless mortal fear in the face of malice itself. A demanding implacable enemy. Who search for blood is never satiated. Mary, tell your experience, everything you witnessed during our last seance. The city of the dead. The living dead. A cursed city where the gates of hell have been opened.
1: Where, uh, where exactly is this city? I don't know where it is. All I know is that it's called Dunwich. Well, I've never heard of it. Uh, how do you know? I mean, how can you be so
2: sure? I read the name on a tombstone. Mr. Bell, if those gates are left open, it may be the end of humanity. We've got to try to get them shut again. At midnight on Monday, we go into All Saints Day. The night of the dead begins then. And if the portals of hell don't get shut before, no dead body will ever be able to rest in peace again. And so the dead will rise up and take over the earth. And you must—you've got to get to Dunwich.
3: You must reclose those gates. Oh wow! Very, Very uh, cool.
0: I, I was originally going to go with *Return of the Living Dead* because oh. of, you know, kind of the the uh, maybe sci-fi aspect of you know and a zombie thing. I know I wanted to do zombies, but. I don't know, I just watched rewatched uh City uh, a couple days ago and it's I fucking I I adore this movie um but if, for anyone that hasn't seen it it starts with a séance and uh, a young woman dies and and uh, a town far far away called Dunwich uh happens to be above the gates of hell which is also the other title for this movie and um, the great Christopher George plays a nosy reporter who needs to get to the bottom of what the hell's going on and done which and why he, he goes to a graveyard and uh, they're burying this, this young woman and uh, the grave, the grave diggers they're done for the day. They walk away. Christopher George is still kind of hanging around and he hears screaming from inside the coffin And so that's what kind of gets the ball rolling on on his obsession of what's going on and gets to know these characters and um, you know it's it's Christopher George who is super American with a bunch of Italians, which is the way you know Lucio Fulci worked. That's the way a lot of these guys worked. And uh, man, I fucking love this movie. This has some of the greatest practical gore effects uh, you've ever seen. I my ten year old for better or worse watched it with me and he spent most of the time under the blanket this isn't a movie with you know full of jump scares but it's eerie and so he was he was creeped out enough that he spent a lot of time under the blanket and then of course uh, the infamous scene of the couple in the car and the priest appears and the, the um, young, young woman starts bleeding from her eyes and then vomits all of her innards out which is great it's like it's you know hysterical because like most fulci it's incredibly over the top uh but it's also really gross and so Eben, like he had one like half of an eye peeking out and he's like oh my god what is that so it was a lot of fun great experience uh again like i said for better or worse the 10 year old has seen city of the living dead now baby's first fulci Oh, you got you got to get it it out of the way at some point. (laughs) 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 The funny thing is, it's like uh, whenever we're watching a movie and like nudity pops up, me and Bobby are like, Evan, cover your eyes. But here I am like, Evan, look at all of the gross shit coming out of this woman's mouth. You can watch that, but God forbid you see a tit. No tits in this house. It's a um,
4: Perpetuating bats. Yeah. Violence <laughs>
0: yeah. over nudity. Yeah. That's you know, that's welcome to America, folks. It's oh, how we yeah. do, I guess. Um, all right, there we have it. Uh I think we did pretty good with those pairings, ladies. That was pretty darn good. Yeah. I love it. Well done. It
4: wasn't overlapping.
0: No. No. Not even close. No, that's true. That's very not close. Um Rachel. You have anything to promote? You want to hit them with any links?
4: Uh, you know, normal social media. I would rather get tell them to go to Mondo Heather. Uh, oh my I'm god! I'm working on a book Same. right now. There's not. I'm just. I don't have all, anything all that important to say. I'm just on the normal social medias. i um, I think all my accounts are public, so should be easy enough to find. But yeah, I would say go to go to Mondo Heather.
0: Uh, yes. I think oh uh, wow. we we all second that, <laughs> Heather. What's Mondo, oh. Heather?
3: Oh my goodness. Uh, well, actually, Rachel, can I mention uh, your book to the, the audience? <laughs> I mean, it's public now, right? What? Like I can mention this. Okay, Rachel <laughs> is working on a fucking awesome book <laughs> that it's about Robert Hazard, who Philadelphia music legend. Uh, the masses probably know him best for yeah, he wrote. Girls just want to have fun, which Cindy Lopper made a hit. But there's so much more to him than that. And this is like she is diving in deep. This is the human condition. This is rock and roll. This is, you know, bonds bonded with music. You know, this is a story. This is one hell of a story. I am so psyched. She's working throughout this book. Rachel's awesome. Everybody follow her. Follow her on this journey with this book. And also learn a thing or two. Or yes. three or four or five. So I, do that. That's what
0: for real. Like Rachel, like you, you, you post these pictures and stuff, and and I'm like, who is this? And, and you know, it leads me down a rabbit hole. So it's it's an education for for this guy who doesn't know shit basically. So it's it's absolutely fascinating. I'm very yeah. excited about learning about uh, well, Robert Hazard, who both I, of you. I didn't Abs- I didn't know who this guy was beforehand. So it's been it's been really uh Great, kind of see checking it out.
3: I love that I love hearing that. Let's see, if you want to get educated, follow Rachel. If you want to get educated, to quote Peter Zaremba, <laughs> you come to me, <laughs> Motto Heather. I have a link tree, <laughs> so and there you can find my website, my Patreon, my social media. um uh, I'm part of the noise junkies podcast. That's on weirding way media and our newest episode where we talk about our favorite and least favorite cover songs, uh, just went up today. Uh, so hear me, uh, and my, my brothers, uh, from another mother, father Malone and HP, uh, talk about our favorites. Um, who, who has the best choices? Me, of course. No, I'm sure <laughs> <sorry. laughs> Of course. But but yeah, I mean, uh, check that out. Um, there's a new magazine called... Uh, uh, oh, God. <laughs> My brain just broke. <laughs> My going. brain broke. I'm the, Why am I so bad at promoting myself? Uh, God. Uh, yeah, just go to go to Linktree. Go to Linktree.com forward slash Mondo Heather for all of your uh, cultural sundries.
0: Cinema macabre
3: god damn please oh god i feel like such an a-hole like please don't (laughs) anthony can you cut that out is that gonna be a problem
0: no i don't No, of course not
3: cinema cop is awesome it's a not it's this is the inaugural uh uh issue dennis daniels who uh is awesome he's been a part of the horror film writing scene since like 80s he worked on gore zone he has got um an exuberance and this magazine has you know writers deborah lamb's one of the writers who's a great scream queen she's also in death row game show which i movie i love dearly um she's got a column um there's writing about new horror films uh my piece i talk about what i call the dream subgenre, which is a very specific 70s Era of American horror cinema that is dreamy and nightmarish, and films like *Lamora*, um, hmm. *Messiah of Evil*, *Through the Looking Glass*, um, just to name a few. Uh, *Velvet Vampire* all have that. It's a very fascinating, I think, uh, part of American horror cinema that a lot of people have. I think now they're kind of starting to get into, but I, I delve into that. So yes, um, *Lady Dracula's if you will oh yes god it's so good the velvet have you ever seen the velvet vampire anthony dude you need to see it you need no no no
0: it. no i i have seen it
3: <laughs> have you you didn't like it <sighs> michael Blanchett is in it and celeste Charnel. Oh, dude, rewatch it. it. Was, rewatch know, I, I it you'll re-watch love it. it this is I our know. pattern this is our pattern.
0: I, it is right yeah <laughs> it is you know what i need oh. to do i i need to talk about it is what and that's what makes me appreciate more I, you know, I, I probably, maybe I was tired when I was watching it. I don't know. I wasn't into it, but. Oh, I I sound like
3: such a jerk. I'm like, what?
0: No, no, for real. Like.
3: (laughs) How do you not like this? Yeah. I'm sorry. uh,
0: Stephanie Rothman. No, thank you. No, like, of course I need to get into it. Yeah.
3: I'm like, Um, I know. I get, there's so many things like I, there are films that people love that I don't like that are. Respe- respectable films so i under i understand it i'm just i'm just fun and you it is a great movie though and yes yeah, cinema recab uh it's on amazon uh check it out and read it and um and support independent writing through but i guess through amazon i'm hoping it goes somewhere else <laughs>
0: Well, you know, we got to hey, get it out there some, somehow.
3: Winning when, when Ugly is still winning. But no, seriously, Dennis is fabulous. He's put a lot of hard work into this. He's got a great crew of writers. I'm very honored uh, to be a part of this, especially being part of the first issue. So yeah, do cool. do check that out if you guys get a chance.
0: Very cool. Um, this show is on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I, Anthony, Michael, Lloyd, King. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at AKDonnelly. That's A-K-D-O-N-E-L-L-Y. Um, speaking of writing, go to FThisMovie.com and you can read my stuff. Reviews and every Friday my column notes on film. Um, you know, check out, I think this week I'm going to write about, uh, I just watched Tommaso from uh, Abel Ferrara and so I'm going to write about addiction! Because it's always fun to write taboo. about addiction. So yeah, taboo. But I say. Um, fabulous yeah. also oh, i love
3: that word i love
0: fabulous. it's fabu um and i think that's it oh patreon.com backslash mondo heather right yes that's on my link tree yes okay on the link tree <laughs> patreon.com backslash cold movies podcast that's all we got ladies we did it plan nine from our space Yay. just Yay. knocked Yay. it out thank of the park thank
4: you thank you my trusted colleagues